This podcast is rated M for Mature, Peggy 18, and R100. Everything I know, I learn from Frank Miller, and everything I do, I do as fast as flash run quarterback status, and then some. Damn the new 52, buying up every issue on DC, not exclusively what I'm into, bastards, comics with the healthy Wolverine classics. Sold down below, so anything can go. Hell be exclusively filled with past enemy. Save a And you killed your dad for the second time in hell, man. Tell me that's not badass. Man, tell me that ain't badass. It goes Batman Detective here on the dark night and robbing. I'm robbing. Stop and I'ma lose my damn mind Like Logan this time All possessed by the red right hand Fighting X-Man Storm just chilling Nemesis laughing Cyclone mentally prepares for eye blasting Novels with the graphics Picture strips See comics need to settle down Just a little bit and go back underground Life for permanent bastards Got it right though They write to keep the scene on the right track So they read stack after stack And report a back Someone gotta stab these creators in check, man. And the verdict is Jason Aaron, yeah, he's in check. Tony Daniel, yep, in check. If you read a comic, put it back. Plastic sleeve, hard cardboard back. Then in the milk crate, black. Filed alphabetically, no, seriously. Hello, all. Welcome to Comic Bashers Podcast. The distracted gentleman down there is Steve. I don't even know if you can see him because I'm talking. I don't know how this works, Steve. I'm just going to wave. Blah, blah, blah. I did learn that I can exclude your image. I can hide you from the broadcast, which is weird. Or I can present you to everyone. That seems like it's more fun. I can also present myself to everybody if they want. (laughs) Exactly, which seems like a poor poor choice of words. (laughs) Steve, how how goes it in the Great White North? I hear Yeah, it's, it's good there or something <laughs> it's becoming yes. just america and, and we're shut, shut your fucking whore mouth it is not becoming america thank well Christ. you know what i mean like, yeah i do the land of the free and the home of the brave and is that really is it's that actually a protest song against uh against uh fuck what's the word i'm looking for tyranny yes yeah actually hmm. it was actually made for pro it was a it's a pro-immigration song and that very few people know the second half of which is all about like a fuck you for not letting people in so hmm. I, I learned that by listening to the radio go radio was yeah. it was it uh public broadcasting radio by any chance no it was uh, uh it was seattle uh kxep or kexp so the only radio i listened to <laughs> <laughs> that's fair I just think that would have been been ironic. Um, no, yeah. you know, things are good. Things are warming up. Nothing too interesting. It's just nice and boring in Canada, which is fine. Uh, how the hell are you? What's going on with you, with your life right now, currently? Well, you know how California was uh, as dry as a desert and uh-huh. uh, is now drought proof, like and then some, because of all the rain we got this year. 
Okay. Oh, you're raising eyebrows like you didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, we've been getting uh, pounded with the rain. I bet you have. And last Friday, we had the worst rain, like the worst storm in 10 years, I think it was. Mm. Um, I had rain just like coming in through my windows. Like the windows were just like, I don't even know why I'm here, man. Wow. So you didn't have rain in forever. And then all of a sudden, so I guess that's true that when it rains, it pours. There it is. Oh, God. How many people have been saying that in California? Probably no one because they're all like hating the rain right now. So, but uh, last Friday, it was particularly, you know, because worst storm in 10 years, knocked out power. I saw a great uh, lightning show across the street, but the lightning was man made and it was uh, blue electricity bolts going up and down wires and popping transistor boxes and shit like that. It was uh, kind of shitty because i was just like oh that's cool but that means no power and there it goes and there it goes <laughs> yeah i saw this on twitter you were commenting the, on this on twitter and apparently as you said before you live across from a school and, and apparently these people were doing some kind of weird science uh experiments. yeah no no there was uh just no something something happened and they were told to stay away from the pe facility so wow that was the principal's conclusion they stay away from that <laughs> don't don't touch that don't yeah pretty much okay. but uh friday night's also my laundry night so i had to find a laundromat that was open so otherwise i was gonna fuck up my whole weekend and so i went to this place i ended up in this place that it's in studio city and it had great reviews online everyone was like this is super nice clean etc etc steve the bum to customer ratio was two to one <laughs> One. You know what, Dustin? I bet it's not like that until they just smell you coming. They just they just know the vitamin D is in the air and that they well, need to get some. Here's a here's a key thing. If you're gonna do laundry, don't do it after a heavy rain because that's where all the bums go to dry their clothes for the night. Makes sense. Didn't think of it at the time. Uh, one with oven mitts, I scared away. I shot them a look. And for some reason, this look just like I as a uh, as Aaron, uh, a friend of the podcast, said uh, it. Uh, it was like I flipped a switch when I repeated the look. I don't know if I can do it today because my eyes are kind of fucked up right now, but they're very soggy and uh, sad for some reason. Oh. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why I describe my eyes that way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I shot him a look because I just kind of was like, shut up, you jackass. But another bum. I shouldn't call him a bum. He was a homeless person. He was actually very nice. And I didn't even know he was homeless until he started asking me questions like, oh, did all your clothes get wet in the rain as well? And I forget something else. Something else. But basically, he was he was like, thought I was a homeless person. And I, also I was like, you, Dustin, just FYI. I guess it's because I was talking to him and being nice and everyone else was avoiding him. But uh I just, I, I was just like, oh, well, that's a first today. Well, I guess today can't get any worse now. <laughs> Other than that, I just, Steve. I, oh. Can I just be uh, clear that I'm just glad that you, you followed that sentence with a look and that you didn't just say, I shot him. Because I feel like, given your past experiences, and for those who are new to the podcast, Dustin attracts... Not just homeless people, but people with difficulties, 
going on. People with mm-hmm. issues, not comic book ones. Uh, they, they're just attracted to you, like, stink on shit. Like, I don't know, pedophiles to clown suits, just, they're, they're all over you. I think you mean serial killers, but okay. Um, uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess maybe it's because I, I just, I treat them like people and that. Like, I think that, that's, I guess that's probably the opposite is true, but you know, <laughs> no, I really do. It's just for whatever reason, I just, I have a face that pisses them off or something. So it's like, don't make eye contact. Oh, he made eye contact. Fuck that guy. I mean, you live in LA, right? You could, you at some point you have to start treating life like prison. I feel like. Yeah. Well. Never look anybody in the eye. Always carry a homemade shiv. That kind of thing. That's good. That's that's what we need here. Yeah. Make some more, bathtub wine. More violence. Speaking of violence, Steve, I uh, rolled the dice and took the train again. Okay. Haven't done that since my last bum encounter on the train. Bet you've had a lot of bum encounters. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Like I, I could write a book. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I saw the wink, Steve. <laughs> Not that. Bum encounters, like encounters. butt like butt sex. I got like, it, Steve. Dustin, 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 Dustin. Like butt sex. Thank you for clarifying for no the problem. Those listeners that were just like, oh. Yeah. Bum. Just wanted to make sure. In butt the sex. bum. Yeah. Anyway, Steve, what do you know about wrestling and wwe uh oh man how long do you have (laughs) i know know a bit i know a bit okay that's i mean that's that's pretty much what i was looking for okay i want to see how this train how you bridge the gap between bums trains and wrestling there isn't i i already missed the the gap when you started doing bum sex Uh, (laughs) you missed the gap so you went to butt sex uh dustin it's just beautiful. And, and that is why I can't finish the fucking sentence. Because of you, you monster. Okay, uh, no, I, saw, yeah. I saw WWE Raw Live. And uh, the best part of the show, Steve, was not on air. I mean, it was, okay. it was an okay yeah. show, other than the fact that I mostly watched last week's episode live, like on the screen. Oh, Right. Which was weird. Like the Kevin Owens uh, Jericho recap. We watched that a couple yeah. times. And I was like, what is this? Why am I watching TV in an auditorium with other people or a stadium with other people? But no, the best part was before the show went live, The Rock came out and just kind of did his thing. And then he was like, hey, we're shooting a movie after this. And you're all going to be in the movie because when you bought a ticket, you signed away your rights. And so that doesn't matter to the WWE. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was that new page movie fighting with my family. Yeah. And so we got to be in the crowd for that. I left before the match, but they, they forewarned rock that if you brought up AJ Lee, cause she's in the movie that the fans would chant CM Punk and kind of like on the down low, like, Hey, maybe don't play that up. But he decided to play that up. <laughs> and so <laughs> everything was, you know, Raw was done and you were free to go. But they were like, hey, you know, we're doing the movie now. Um, he brings up AJ Lee again and everyone just starts chanting CM Punk, CM Punk. So he pulls out his phone. He's like, I'm going to call CM Punk. 
He's like, I got his number here. We'll just do it. We'll just call him. Calls, gets a voicemail. We leave a like the the auditorium leaves him a voicemail of just the loudest chanting of CM Punk. Every like I could tell these people were so excited because there was no like, hey, let's all do this together. It was just everyone saying CM Punk as fast as they could, as loud as they could. Like just excited children. And uh <laughs> and so Punk calls back, Rock mixes the call because he's sitting there directing, you know, the crowd basically, which was weird. Like he wasn't the director, but he was directing the crowd for the director. Probably because everyone would have been like, fuck that guy. I bring out the rock again. Yeah, well, true. He's the hype man. He's he's the guy that you want to see. Put exactly. In. Exactly. It was it was a smart move. Yeah. Um, but then uh <laughs> this at one point, this referee runs down is like just bolts his ass down you're like that's weird why is the ref just randomly running down here and you just see him do this and i could see him mouth because we were pretty close um i could see him mouth like no more uh but then like he was just like doing this in front of his mouth for the rest of the time and basically he was saying no more cm punk like like that vince was saying cut that shit out yeah but that was the best part after that then we were like oh well if he's not actually gonna get cm punk on then fuck it we're just we're just gonna go. So. Just gonna go. Like I heard, I'd heard about all of this. We'd like, um, there's, there's some footage going on. I totally had a disconnect because you told us before on the show that you were gonna go see Raw, yeah. And I had a total disconnect until you mentioned it that you would of course be at the LA Raw, yeah. Um, and that's awesome. So you were technically a part of this movie, fighting with my family about Paige, yeah. And that's awesome. Um, and I heard that also. Beyond that, didn't Vince McMahon come out and just like he did like the Apollo thing where he just kind of like dusted a rock off the stage? I know that I, oh, I, I don't know if it was before the, or after. No, in the in the opening, yeah, he okay. he came out and was had his music play for a second just to get the rock off to, so they could start Raw. Oh, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's great because everyone was cheering for Vince, but then he was just like, "Rock, get the fuck off." <laughs> it was like, he was like, stop it. Just get the hell out of here. Yeah, we need to edit this and start the show. That's pretty great. Yeah, and The Rock can do every other like iconic wrestler's like catchphrase like perfectly. Because yeah. he did them all for us. So Really? Yeah, he did Macho Man, he did Hogan, he did uh fucking Stone Cold. And just he just kept doing them. Ric Flair. His Ric Flair was perfect. Huh. So he did that before. Like I remember them a long time ago. You probably find a clip of it where he's talking to Triple H and he keeps on forgetting his line. Yeah, that that was basically it. It was just okay. That's great. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. So, yeah, that was uh, raw. All right, we're done. Podcast over. All right, yeah, we're I'm I'm satisfied. That. <laughs> okay. So that was that was pretty fun. It was a it was pretty fun. That's cool. Worth it. Worth the money. I saw the, uh, not to get too much into wrestling, but since we're already in there. Yeah. We're like, we're, the we're Kevin Owens. What's that? We're, we're warming up. Do what exactly. you want. Yeah. I'm just doing some stretches. I don't have any pants on. I don't care. Yeah. We're um, both getting like really cozy in our chairs. Like we're both just like. <laughs> that's true. Look at us, man. I might pop this shirt. See what happens. Um, uh, that's a different Dustin, podcast. stop talking back. Okay. This is this podcast. Um, <laughs> No, it, uh, like the Kevin Owens thing looked pretty good. I, I only kind of step in and out. Mostly I just listen to podcasts, thanks to one Kevin Beckham, um, when it comes to wrestling. But uh, I did duck in and out of that one just to see what was going on. It looked pretty fun. It looked like a fun show. It's it's like baseball. 
I think. You being a big baseball fan, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I will still go. Someone says, hey, let's go to a ball game. I'll be like, fucking right, let's go to a ball game. Yeah, like, exactly. Minor leagues, I'll get a hot dog and a beer and watch a game. Like, it's like going to a wrestling show. If there was one in Montreal, just down the center at the Bell Center, I'd definitely go to that for sure. So Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just, it's, it's always better live, even if you're not keeping up with, like, the product or whatnot. Yeah. So Still a good show. That's cool. Yeah. So... I like, to call, I like to call this segment Steve Hates TV. <laughs> that is sure words have never been spake, my friend. Now, we were going to discuss a lot more TV, but I did not have a lot more time to watch TV. So we're just going to talk about one show. One show. Um, only one show, Steve. Yeah, one show. Just so everybody, just a peek behind the old curtain for everyone. <laughs> Dustin made me watch multiple shows. Uh, and apparently we're only talking about one of them. I only made uh, you watch one extra show, and we we'll, only watched one episode. That is straight bull honky. That one show took out years of my life. Years. You said that it was mostly inoffensive. But it, was, it was mostly harmless. Mostly, what I harmless. mostly harmless, but I don't know. I think my wife might have liked it, so I think I'm going to have to watch more of it. Well, However... Then, that you can blame me for because if I got your <laughs> wife hooked on a show that you don't personally enjoy, I know that feel. Yeah, good. I know that feel. Look at that steely gaze. There I intentionally brought that out because <laughs> that's how much I wanted you to know that I know that feel. Was that the look that you gave to the homeless person? No, the homeless person. Was... Maybe I can do it. I was just like. <laughs> like... <laughs> for those but, like, who are pick, not consuming this... this on YouTube, you should be. Picture this face first, though. Oh, wistful, looking away. And then just Whoa. like that. So I didn't do it that well the second time. Whatever. I liked it, though. You nailed it. So, yeah, just just really like, whatever. And then all of a sudden, just like, what the fuck? Like, so that was, that was what I was going for. Nice. It worked. He put his oven mitts on. He got on his BMX bike, and he left. So that's. I want to hang out with this guy. Next time you see him, give me his number. I don't think you do. I think he might have been drunk and high. Um, on the meth. Yeah. He's a method actor. He's a method man. I like both of those things. We should hang out. Steve, we're going to talk about one TV show and only one TV. I had no way out of that. You were- no, it's okay. Just do it. Let's, let's pull this Band-Aid. I'd, I, just, I hope the audience is guessing. I hope they're like the Flash. No, it's the Shield, the Ghost Rider stuff. No, it's Arrow, season five. He's still on the island somehow. <laughs> There's a lot of shows right now. Legion. Supergirl, Legion, Supergirl. Yeah. Riverdale. No, no, no. Nope. We're going to talk about Powerless. Oof. Because it's a situation comedy. <laughs> sure, it certainly is a situation. There's a situation. There's attempts at humor. Mm. So for those that have not watched the show, I will sum it up as such. Go watch Better Off Ted season one and two. Mm. And then just picture all the scripts that didn't make it onto that show. And then inject really poorly researched DC references. And uh, that's the show. Yeah, that's actually that's actually a good way to describe it. Uh, the, the remnants from Better Off Ted. That's... That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm like, Better Off Ted was an amazing show. But no. for the time it came out, it was all right. 
It's it okay. fun. It was like yeah. working with uh, Fred Savage. You ever watch that? that was a good I show. did actually. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, uh, it wasn't until they started introducing like weird sub character romances. I was just like, "What's going on here?" That yeah. character should not. I don't care. That Fred was Fred weird. Savage. Yeah, he was great, and the his little his like angry dude that worked in the office was great. And Winnie came back for an episode. I don't know why we're yeah. talking about working, but because it's, it, so, it's damn near the same. <laughs> Dustin laid down for people who haven't even heard of this show, which is probably nobody listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, what this show is kind of about. What's the remit of this show? <laughs> so, it took a DC comic idea where I believe they were supposed to be, I don't know, like they were like insurance people. They were like looking out for the average people that get in the collateral damage of superhero fights. Um. But essentially what they turned it into was the research and development department of Wayne Tech based in Charm City, which I don't, I'm not even going to pretend to know if that's actually a part of DC. I don't believe it is. And so they're this division of Wayne Tech and they make products for the average people to survive superhero fights. And that's kind of, that's it. They develop products. None of which are very good. Well, none of yeah. which are very good. No, and they make really poor DC references because it is very injected into the DC universe. Am I missing anything? Oh, and the boss is uh, Bruce Wayne's cousin, apparently. Yeah, Van Wayne. <sighs> yeah. Um, Where do stars from Firefly go to die, Steve? <laughs> the show, apparently, and various guest appearances on Angel and Buffy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you did it. Like, basically, it's it was supposed to be, as you described, it was supposed to be what Marvel did with Damage Control. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, which is a riff off of DC in general. Um, and, you know, it was supposed to be do, doing something like that. So when I think we first heard about this, I at least thought it was a cool idea. I think that's a, a cool concept for a show. And when I first fired this puppy up, I can't remember if they did a cold opening. I think they did do a cold opening for the show. Um, and then they went yeah. into... She was yeah. on the subway. Yes, that's that. right. Um, Vanessa Hudgens, who is the star of the show. Uh, easy <laughs> on the eyes. Easy on the eyes, but might I also say the only person trying to give a damn. Yeah, and that's a common thing that I've heard after talking with some work colleagues about this. And they said the exact same thing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. She's the only one who really gives a shit on any level. Her yeah. character as an actor. She's really trying, God bless her. Um, Man, she's an attractive young lady. Uh, and she's, she's good. She's fun. Whatever. Yeah. I thought she, she was okay. She's matured. Last time I saw her, she was very... I'm still getting the teenager roles now. But now I'm like, oh, wow. You're like mature. You're a mature woman. Like, this is actually a good role for you. Because the first time I heard of her cast, I was like, oh, that's like a weird fit. She's going to look like a teenage girl in this office place. But no, she she's a mature lady. Yeah, she is. She she looks great, and I think that she is probably the high point of the show. Now, after I after that cold opening where she's in the subway, and yeah, as as Dustin said, as you said, like it's a bunch of people who are living in a city, um, Charm City, and they are constantly under this uh, set upon by all of the superhero comings and goings and supervillain comings and goings, such that it's become just a regular occurrence for them. Such as maybe bumping into a bum in a laundromat, for example. Just a, a mild inconvenience, a nuisance. Um, you could say, Steve, that yeah. it's lost its charm. And I bet you that's what the writer's room 
thought when they named it that. I gotta, I gotta write that one down. Hold on. Where's my diary? Why are you diary? writing that? You'll never believe what happened to me today. Dustin had. Dustin made the worst pun. The best pun. Oh, sorry, worst <laughs> pun. Um, no. Okay. So after all of that, like after you get a, a flavor for which I thought was pretty good, like in the first episode, she's this. She's from Podunk, fucking nowhere. Yeah. Basically, it's Smallville. She, her father's a florist. Um, and she, they called it a flyover state, which I thought was pretty funny, actually. Um, and you would just see, like, she she shows her as a young girl, and she's watching all of these superheroes fly over, and but they never land there. They're always going to the big city to fight the villains or whatever. Um, so she wanted more adventure in her life, uh, so she moved to this charm city, which I guess is kind of a stand-in for Metropolis, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like, hey, we need a big city, but we don't want to use the main cities because we might actually use those in a serious situation and we don't we don't want to taint that we don't want like these goofy shenanigans going on with the serious stuff you know yeah yeah um which is i guess probably a good idea but so you you have that kind of nice disparity in her just childlike sense of wonder when she moves to the city versus the old diehards uh quite literally in some cases who've just been there for a long time and this supervillain superhero fight and them getting thrown off of train tracks is just a nuisance for them. Yeah. And then it launches into the opening for the show, which I think is fucking brilliant. Like that opening is great because oh, it sums yeah, yeah. up like like the opening, the title, the credits basically is so great. And if it if like that defines the concept of the show, and if they had gone with that and really really done this, which Basically, it shows old covers. Did you want to describe it? Because I've been talking for a long time. Like, no, no, it's, you were on a roll. I wasn't going to jump in. Go. Okay. Um, basically, it shows old comic book covers, like the first appearance of Superman, um, some of Green Lantern's old fights, various old kind of Silver Age, old Golden Age comic book covers. And it shows the people in the background. So if you remember, uh, what issue was it? Uh, Action Comics uh, with the first appearance of Superman. And he's throwing the car against... Go ahead. 15? Action Comics number one. Number one, duh. Sorry. No. Was it? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay. Action Comics, I always get kind of confused with that in Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man's Amazing Fantasy amazing number. Amazing Fantasy number. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you see him and he's crashing the, the car against We're down the, here. <laughs> no, joke. Crashing the car, the car against the mountain. And you see like the, well, who you think are mobsters in the, in the foreground. And in the background, there's like a couple of whomevers like running away from the explosion. But what they've done is cleverly they keep those things and made it kind of almost like a motion, slow moving motion comic. Um, and they've implanted characters within those things who are just in the backgrounds, like the, the, the crowds and stuff. And they go in and they focus on those people and it's, you know, they put the title card of the, the actor or whoever it is. So they're really focusing on the people of the background of these stories in superheroes uh, stories. And I think that's just such a cool idea that's never really been brought to, television and is only seldom talked about really in comics i mean it has been done before but anytime it's done it's done pretty well like you could say even something like gotham central or indeed the um damage control like those are really cool ideas and the way that it was expressed there in the opening credits was fantastic and then you get to the show yeah and i will say like that credit it just kind of shows the um almost like the the 
God, I hate to say charm again, but like, like the kind of like the benefit of having a, a DC type show that, you know, did kind of make this interesting, like a comedy in the DC universe. Like that, that's actually kind of just a cool idea and should be something that is explored and done, but not, not like, not like this. Cause like the first episode, it's her first day and I don't remember her character name. I'm just going to call her Vanessa. Vanessa. Yeah. And uh, she meets her team that she's working with. And they are just, they're just ripe. Especially the, uh, the one, uh, well, there's the secretary assistant lady. She's pretty great. But then there's the other woman. And I do not remember her name. I think her name's like Wendy or some shit. And she is aggressively just angry towards her to the point where it's not even funny it's just borderline like harassment in the workplace <laughs> which starts a trend of the type of humor that the show is going for which is uh like i don't know like a 90s sitcom is the best way i can describe it of just being horribly offensive with its uh racial jokes and sexist jokes so yeah like particularly in the uh, what was it the the second episode in which there's two slave owner jokes made, uh, yeah, and then in the third one, God, what was the joke that they made that was really the whips? No, that was the slave owner. That one. was the second episode, but there was another one. Mm. I can't remember it. Like they, they were maybe it was tied into that Atlantis because they had the the people representatives from Atlantis as they were pitching them. Yeah, I mean, there was those. The, they made some really terrible, just like fake Atlantis, like racism jokes too. But there was there was another real gem in that one, but I I can't think of it. But uh, speaking of Atlanta, not to move on past the uh, just terrible racist and sexist jokes, but yeah. I just I just don't have anything else to say. Like I was just so surprised at that. I was like, wow, really. This is the humor you're going for. Nothing with intelligence. Just low-hanging fruit, huh? Just everywhere, low-hanging fruit. We're going for that. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly what they're doing, yeah. Yeah. What did you think of all the terrible DC references? Almost like the writers don't know anything about <laughs> the DC universe. Uh, for yeah, instance, I mean, yeah. let me lay this out for you. Okay. Batman revealed how he caught the Joker, which was weird. Uh, that's just the, that's not even a great one. The second episode, the Flash gets put in the Phantom Zone by Professor Zoom and is ideally going to be left there for a year. Yeah, a year by, by Sinestro. By oh, was it by Sinestro? I thought it was by Professor Sinestro. Zoom. No, it was by Sinestro, which ah. I thought was really strange because like in that whole thing, for those who haven't seen it, uh, spoiler, uh, they they do like a fantasy instead of doing a fantasy football league, they do a fantasy superhero league so which was the worst idea ever like it's not a terrible idea but the actual it's just so it just doesn't work very well in practice because i don't know like their landing page for their website was just super lame and you can tell it wasn't i don't know there's no depth to anything in any case there's no depth to it so yes i do agree that they are just rattling off characters and that's what it sounds like like sinestro and flash why would they be even fighting like and even if that wasn't the case and why do make and when do we have access to the phantom zone just 
at the drop of a hat, but then we're just going to leave them there for a year. We're like, ah, Flash, you'll, you know, stuff. It's a phantom zone. You don't need food. You, can, you can't even fuck. Exactly. Or can you? I don't know. I don't remember. There was some Superman episode where Zod had a kid. Maybe they yeah, found a phantom zone bubble or some shit. I bet they did. Um, I don't think you can fuck in the fan. I don't think you can touch anything in the phantom zone. Yeah, so... Absolutely. Why would he be able to? Whatever. I mean, just so many dumb questions. <laughs> so and many my, bad answers. My favorite was the third episode, Steve. Okay. The Lost City of Atlantis sank their sinking day, where they yeah. celebrate when their city sank. Instead of it just being an established underwater society, where there was myths and legends about it. Because as far as I know, Steve. Atlantis of the DC Universe didn't fucking sink. It didn't fucking sink, Steve. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I don't think it did. I thought and it why did. would they celebrate sinking day when they're like millennia well, old? Yeah, it wouldn't, they wouldn't celebrate possibly, arguably, the greatest tragedy to befall their people, I would exactly. imagine. Yeah. And then why would three guys in charge of their security not know Aquaman? And be excited um, about meeting Aquaman. Wouldn't they just be like, set me up a meeting with Aquaman? And he shows up and they're like, hey, we just want to meet you. Make sure you're a real dude. Yeah. Go I fight like Ocean, they, Ocean they, Master or some shit. They also call him Aquaman. Yeah. Rather Not, than like, can you introduce us to the king? <laughs> like, or King or Arthur. Or, yeah. Or something. So they were like, uh, we don't know that guy's name and neither is the audience. Like, that's what it seems like they're going for is like, Hey, do you know anything about DC? Well, neither do our writers, so you're in luck. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think equal footing. I feel like a lot of what they were trying to do with those references is to speak to people like you and you and me, and other people maybe who have had brushings with uh, comics or comics-related media, like Supergirl or Flash, or whatever. So that's fine, or or video games or something. But why not? If you're gonna do that, why just make it this facade? Like, why? Why not go deeper? Like the thing with Starro, that was kind of interesting, and they blew all of their budget on that in the first like two seconds, <laughs> yeah, uh, literally. But you know, I, it just didn't seem to. Why are you doing this? Like, why are you making references that are either factually incorrect or weird? Like, they don't even make sense. Like, you can base this within DC Comics and not make those references uh, because yeah. people like us are going to call you out on your shit. Um, yeah, that's that's my problem. Is like, that's fine. Make a joke, and that people might not understand because now it's like what you're doing is making sure no one understands. Mm. Like the fan, the hardcore comic book readers, they don't understand because they're like, "What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't happen." Are you saying that happens now? What is this? And the other people are just going to be like, "Okay, what the fuck? Whatever that means." Yeah. <laughs> like you just fed them false information on these characters that you want to get them to know. It's fake news, Dustin. It's fake uh, news. I said false information for a reason. <laughs> um, no, you're right. And it doesn't really feel like, and maybe it needs to, to spread its wings, so to speak, a little bit more, but it doesn't feel like it knows what it wants to be. And I think part of the reason that I had a problem with it, and I don't think it was all that bad. I'll get to some, maybe we'll get to some good parts if there is a silver lining in any of this. I think there maybe are a couple things, but um, I think that the biggest problem is that it tried to go too zany too quickly. 
um, with all of the characters. First of all, there isn't one straight man character. There is no, except maybe the assistant. Um, yeah. And she actually did have some funny lines where they thought that one of the guys was a superhero. Yeah. Like, she was really funny in those. Those were quite clever. Um, well, I liked her in the second and third episode. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of glad to see that she's getting more screen time than the the other lead who got toned way the fuck back after the, the first episode of yeah. Um, not that I don't think that there's potential for her to be funny. It was just like, they did not know what to do with that character. No. Like, how about we just make her very hateful? Okay, go. Yeah. Well, let's give this particular, this woman with a very particular look, a very bitter at like attitude. And it's like, okay, we see what you're going for there. Um, but it's bit on it's everything is a bit on the nose, and I guess you expect that in a show like this, where it is clearly candy. This is what you do. Like I blasted through three episodes of this, not because I enjoyed it, because it's so goddamn consumable. If there's like a yeah. a, a thing of Mike and Ike's on the fucking desk, you will just continue probably eat those things. Or what what this isn't though is you know runts. <laughs> Yeah. Like the old candy runts and no one likes the fucking banana runt. Mm-hmm. So just it's like a pack of bananas afterwards. This is not that like you can still consume it and be like, mm, it's okay. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm going to throw up pretty soon. Um, it's, it's like I've continued to watch it just out of kind of morbid curiosity. It's not offensive enough to make me stop. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, which is more you can say for a lot of superhero television right now, interestingly enough. Um, because I don't think it takes itself seriously and I know and it knows what kind of sugary fucking high it is. Um, and it is infinitely consumable because of that. But it's got like just it's got a lot of problems with it. And one of the things is, like I was saying, it gets too zany, too quirky. It's trying to be community by jumping in on community season four or something. You know what I mean? It's Which like weird because that guy that was in community is playing himself in community. Kind of. No, he is. Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, he's more, he's less kind of weird. Um, That's what I mean, is like, he's still, he's, he's just playing himself. Yeah. You know? But that's the thing, like, they're, they're jumping into these extreme characters with these extreme personalities without actually having a build up to it. And I know it's supposed to be that sugary kind of content, but I think you still need to have some kind of foundation to of depth to appreciate this character, the cities, uh, or these characters in the city, and like kind of everything that's going on with this, including the comic book backdrop that we're seeing. Um, some of the references are really funny, like when they were talking about uh, when Ace Chemicals came in, who was run by the Canes, and they were like, uh, you know, we need to put a cover on these because we've done research and like, what is it? We've got plus three clowns were created by. Yeah, like uh, one, is, one in three people that fall into the vat become a killer clown or some yeah. shit. And that was kind of funny and cute, but and as we were talking about, this other uh, character... Is it though? Because there's huge. a lot of jokers running around. And I think that's what's the, what they're doing, and kind of there are, right? Like, well, there's there are quite a few... Three, well, technically, well, just jokers, but I mean, joker-based villains, you know? There's the clown, there's uh, Harley Quinn, there's you know, quite a few of the other ones that are odd running around the one in the black hand or whatever. Um, but the black love, but like, I don't know. 
those things don't completely miss sometimes. There were a couple times where I was kind of all right, that's that's a bit cute, that's funny, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't completely bad. Like I don't I think it's better than I lasted much longer than I did with like Flash because Flash is so maudlin and saccharine that I just can't consume it. It's just too fucking ugh, it takes itself too seriously. Whereas yeah. this it's whatever. Yeah, I just I don't know if it's I still think that all all that is probably going to harm it in the long run. Like I would be very surprised if this gets two seasons. Like I just I don't I don't see it. You know, but well, it's, it's NBC, right? It is NBC, yeah. yeah. So they're gonna need the numbers that they probably are not gonna get. Exactly. Like they're probably pulling in CW numbers. Mm. And if this show goes, if one more fucking show goes to CW, <laughs> just call it the Superhero Network and call it a day. Isn't that just what buy it is? Buy and just do it. I mean, you know? they got other stuff. I guess I don't know. I don't do watch they? CW. Do they? I mean, I guess they, they have they got Black Super Lightning Man. is going there. They got, I think the Vampire Diaries is still going on. What the God, fuck? I think that, no, no, they got Jane the Virgin. What is that show? And, uh, where, where is the uh, Super- keep up? They're on the third season. Let's go Dude, here. Come on, the Supernatural is that on CW? Is that- yeah, that's what I said. That was the first thing I said, man. Come oh, on, come on. Come on. Oh, They're on like you. season twelve. It's the longest running CW show they have. You got to get you got to get the marbles out of your mouth first of all. Are they bum bum balls, bum dicks, whatever? Nah, just it's just my cheeks, man. They are adorable, and a mumbly voice. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else CW has. Probably some sci-fi shit that's going to get canceled in the season or two. Yeah, but Powerless will do well there if when it eventually comes there because it probably will. They're not gonna. I don't think they're just gonna like. Dump this down the old trash chute. I think they'll probably will sell it off to another Constantine. Touche. Supergirl, Touché. they couldn't afford to lose. CBS just couldn't afford to keep it. Yeah. And I have no idea if the budgets actually continued for that one or if they just flashed it and they're like, here's your location. Try not to leave it. I kind of imagine that they will because so many there are so many fans of that show and that universe that like powerless cannot fit into the multiverse, which is what they're go- which is going to be their problem. Yeah, and people want that right now. So yeah, well, I think that's uh, that's it for our boring ass TV talk that no one cares about. Fair enough. Something more relevant, Steve. Yeah. Do you want to name this segment? I don't know what the fuck to name it. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it is. It's got a name. It's um, it's called the Year of the Bastard. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that is what we're talking. It's the only other thing we have scheduled to talk about, Steve. I, I, I had it prominently. I saw it. Yeah. See, foreshadowing. I got it right there. There it is. Uh, yeah. So I I came up <clears throat> and I didn't come up with this, but I asked Dustin if he would be down for reading this again because, um. Transmetropolitan is what we're talking about. Um, it can I, like a, yes. Can I clarify one thing? For Please you, do. it was again. For me, it was the first time. That's true. This is this is your first exposure to Mr. Spider Jerusalem to Transmetropolitan. Um, yeah. So I thought like this year specifically would be a very good year to go back and read Transmetropolitan, which, if you haven't read it, to sum it up in kind of a sentence, is about a. Um, gonzo journalist who comes out of retirement to take it to the president of the united states of america um we'll get to that this being the first foray so i thought 
the third volume in this is called Year of the Bastard. We are the comic bastards. So I thought, hey, we could read this over a year. Um, so that's what we're going to try to start doing, and we're going to read the first volume, uh, which we've read over the past couple weeks or week, and we're going to talk about now. Um, I read it yesterday, all of it. Okay, and this <laughs> is, I want to get, because I can't remember when I read this, um, the first volume, and it had been like subsequently some time between volumes. What were your impressions before going into this? Is there a reason that you didn't read this? Because I know you like Warren Ellis. Mm -hmm. um, was there a reason that you didn't go into this and your very first impressions of when you finished it? First, the reason I never read it is because of hype. Okay. It's the same reason I haven't read the majority of Alan Moore, Grant Morrison, and Garth Ennis's work. Hype. The second reason I didn't read it is because... I remember when it came out and it just wasn't readily available to me, Mr. Gin and Tonic. Um, or just, is it just gin? I don't remember. No, this is just tonic. I'm just top, tapping it up because no. here's the thing. We're talking about spider Jerusalem. We got to get a little drugs in us. Okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> um, and I don't know. I just, I guess I worried that <sighs> here's the thing about me, Steve. I'm just going okay. to tell everyone this. Some might've already known it or figured this out. I don't like old shit. Like I just, <laughs> just don't like it. Like it, it's weird. If I didn't consume it when it first came out, I kind of don't give a fuck about it. And I know that's weird. I just, there's some mental block. I look at like the writing style and I can be like, okay, this is very typical of when this came out and that's not appealing to me now. Um, or the art, I'll be like, ah, oh, this is just that style of that time. And there's stuff that, others can enjoy that I just will not ever find enjoyable. And then there's stuff like this, which is pretty fucking timeless, both in the story and the art. Uh, and I think that was my first, very first impression was like, holy shit, Derek Robertson can actually illustrate way better than he did on the boys. And this stuff looks better than a lot of the newer comic books I see uh, on a weekly basis. And that was, pretty pretty great you know i mean other than just like the typical shitty hair that like most comic books still have these days but again that's what kind of made me like well this is kind of timeless because i still see assholes drawing hair on, on women like that in fucking tc comic books so yeah i'm pretty sure lois was rocking that haircut <laughs> so like my first impression was yeah i mean i think you you picked a great book for this year because so much of this just kind of seems extremely relevant to what's going on in the world and America specifically uh, especially with journalists especially with what the so-called 45 did this week and uh, 45 is, I like how that's what they're calling him now yeah that's funny um, and and you know and only invited certain members of the press and and then tried to inject a message into the press to help their russian cause so this uh this was pretty fucking great you know like and it it i don't know i mean it also gave me the impression that you know warren Ellis is probably the most consistent writer in comic books like he has his ups and downs and such but there is a consistent voice to what he writes and you may not love everything but like 
for me, when, you know, the stuff I have read of Alan Moore and the stuff I have read of Grant Morrison and the stuff I have read of Garth Ennis, there are at times these huge dips of like showing up for a paycheck. Don't give a fuck. And I don't care what anyone says. They all have those books. Um, and, you know, you can even make that argument for Warren Ellis, but at least there's this there's still a very consistent voice. Like you can read his ultimate fantastic four and find that voice. Mm. It might still seem like a paycheck, but he just, it's like, he just really pours himself into shit. And uh, yeah, I could tell he was just like a young, angry man writing against the world in this. And that leads to some pretty fucking fantastic writing and some great descriptions. So, yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. Like there is, in rereading this, which I hadn't done. So originally this came out, it started coming out in 1997. So this is 20 years old, basically, or the beginning of this is 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. This trade is. So I think it was like 1997, 1998. Um, and yeah, there is, I think you're right. Like I, I, I want to talk about kind of the, the timelessness of the story first. Like for those who haven't read it, just real, real quickly. Um, Spider Jerusalem is this character who has, this takes place in 20, I don't know, the, the not too distant future. I don't even know if they say actually when this is. I don't even uh, know. But it's, it's the, it's the, it's the future. Okay. And it's a very dystopian future. There's mass overpopulation kind of one thing that I was wondering if you were going to be annoyed with is the inundation of um, information. Like you see a lot of like, TVs everywhere and I know they don't like I know that one of your things is you don't like one of those holographic things come out at, at the characters and they can easily easily manipulate them or if there's too many holograms like in Prez the recent Prez thing there's been a lot of that this I think it was more there's not that much it's still kind of written in 1997 so like the thinking was there would still be screens everywhere and a lot of the technology would still these be these kind of blocky televisions um, but it feels like the city that he returns to, um, Spider-Jerusalem having just sequestered himself to this mountaintop because he wanted to get away from it all and get away from his fame, which he had uh, acquired through all of this gonzo journalism against the president, against the establishment, against the city in many ways, had driven him just fucking crazy such that he hated everything, like hated everything. Well, that and he, he says at one point, he's like, I just couldn't get, I couldn't get at the, the root of it anymore. Yeah, the truth. Yeah, like he, he couldn't just, find the truth anymore. Yeah, um, which again is relevant, as you said today, um, more than it has been in the past twenty years, potentially, yeah. at least on the surface. Um, so he, in having to pay off some old debts um, to um, money given to him for, to write a book, he's got to return to the city and write a book. Um, two books. Two books. Sorry, two books. Um, it As seems it's... like an important detail. That's why I'm pointing it out. Because yeah. they, keep, they keep pointing out that it's two books. One political, one of his choice. Yeah, so. true. Um, and so he has to be in the city. Not only do his editors know that, but he knows that he has to be in the city, in the muck of it, like, to actually do some writing. So he returns to the city, much to his chagrin. Um, and this guy, like, Spider-Jerusalem, is super fucking hateful by this point. Even when he leaves the mountain, um, he's got traps set up all around his house. He leaves his bar, like he goes by the bar, which is the only thing next to his his place, which is called Bastards, by the way. Um, yeah, that was great. It was awesome, and he's just like, "Wow, this is a, the only place that I've stopped and had any human contact, and you know, fought a couple of times. Man, what a great bar!" And then he pulls out a rocket launcher and destroys the bar. Um, yeah. 
that is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to him. He is, and I agree, you said this before, the ultimate expression of hatred from Warren Ellis. Like he uses Spider-Jerusalem like Spider-Jerusalem uses journalism, which is to say as a gun to blow the kneecaps off the world, which was obviously quoted in this and has been over the past few months um, elsewhere. But uh, so he goes in and he, he does a lot of things. Like this is proto-Twitter, by the way. Like mm-hmm. there is there's a discussion going on. There's a riot that happens in this book, which is um, transient. Is it not transients? Um, yeah, no, transient. Is it transients? Yeah, um, where so. where people are basically trying to transform from human into alien using alien DNA because aliens kind of exist, but they're mostly in the background in the story. Um, but it's that idea of what's going on right now where you are not comfortable within your own body. And another thing that happened over the past week was this trans rights, rights issue in terms of um, President Trump going back on a lot of the things that Obama did for trans rights in terms of what bathrooms they can use and these kind of things. And this is a full-blown riot of something that is using this, a same or similar kind of argument, right? Like yeah. I thought that was an amazing thing that what, what, like that we chose to read this this week. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, it's that too. And, and that, I think it also has, you know, some, um, not so much like I agree it definitely ties in with the trans rights but then it almost kind of came off as like uh, gay rights as well like almost like the, is it the it's not the Stonewall riots is it or mm-hmm. yeah it is it is that okay I thought it was quick and like it kind of seemed like that too in a way um, of like they're just trying to live and be themselves and not be treated like not expected to be act one way where they're like hey we can only eat alien food and they're like too bad eat this fucking human food and they're like well we can't it doesn't work with our systems you know you and they're just almost like in a way being like you need to fit in this mold that we're saying fit into and then they're like well we don't and we don't want to so yeah and what's what's amazing about that too is that warren ellis as is typical of him gives both sides of the story and in in speaking through a narrator who is himself a piece of shit shows off how every single bit of this society, both the good and the bad, the progressive and the conservative are filled with people who are pieces of shit who just want to do things for their own gain. Like Fred, Fred Christ who leads this kind of transient movement is himself just doing it because he wants to be bigger than himself. Um, I mean, he he names himself Christ and then, is has propped himself up as the literal face of this organization and you see spider jerusalem park himself up uh during these riots when it happens when the the city basically sends in this police force um because the transients have um taken over this particular block of the city yeah uh, that was basically a ghetto to keep them there uh and he's watching all of this happen as this riot breaks out and he's on his computer or a typewriter. So remember, this is kind of right when AOL was happening, right? Like, well, to that, I think that was kind of just more of like a cool retro thing because the typewriter has a screen. I mean, it's it's doing a live feed; it can transmit instantly. Yeah, um, you know, and in '97, there would be would have been laptops. I think that was almost his way of being like, 
you know, not like a steampunk future, but like a weird retro thing. Like if you gave me a laptop that had a, a typewriter keyboard right now today, I'd use the fuck out of it. Yeah, well, that'd be so. Oh, just tactile. That would be amazing. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So that's um, how I kind of interpreted it. It was more of just like, here's this cool fucking invention. Not so much like, a, I don't know what a computer is. Guys. Yeah, no, but it's not. But I mean, the functionality here was mm -hmm. so like clearly not what it would have been in 1997. And mm -hmm. the fact, the more important thing, I think, is that we live in an age where regardless of who says what is or what is not fake news or the, the truth, a lot of it is just being fed to us by what's online. Um, so he basically stops a riot by reporting on it live. <laughs> and there have been instances of that within the past 10 years of someone who's been on social media. Look at the um, um, the Arab Spring, right? Like a lot of those things were quelled, if you want to say now, they've mutated into something else, which is horrible. But um, the initial kind of reaction were quelled because there were so many people on social media and they reported all of these different things that were happening, which is basically what Spider Jerusalem did 20 years ago in this yep. story, which I think is incredible. Um, and it shows the power of journalism within this society and what it could be within ours too. But <laughs> Warren Ellis, once again, being kind of ahead of his time, I think. In that way. Well, I think it's because he, you know, I mean, he might not describe <laughs> himself as this, but when I read his newsletter and stuff, I get a very futurist vibe from him, you know, where he is just constantly trying to, you know, see 10 steps ahead rather than just muddle through the muck right now. Um, and it's just not something everyone can do. And I think that's what keeps us so refreshing. Like we might get 20 years in the future and this might still be kind of relevant in a lot of ways. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it will be for sure yeah, because they're just because like the, and then, and that's the thing is like the, everyone has a news feed and they're watching all this TV and stuff. And how is that any different than now? You know, like so-called 45 is doing that. He's, he's watching cable news nonstop. So that uh, seems like it'll kind of constantly always be relevant. And we're all, you know, on our phones with the, the streams and everything now too. And uh, shit, I had another point. And I totally lost it. Oh, but I mean, then there's other things like the, you know, genetically mutated cats and the uh the food makers and shit like that and eating endangered animals as eyeballs and shit yeah good old I caribou mean, eyes yeah i mean soon we'll all just be, be eating crickets because it's more cost effective but yeah that's true um which then brings us to do you want to talk about his first encounter with the uh the president of the time yeah, who, let's do it yeah who had a falling out with his uh his uh so our secret services and they just let spider jerusalem in the toilet with this guy and which uh turns into being kind of a mistake <laughs> a little bit for, for one of them anyway no um what is i mean there's just so many kind of like great things and there was a line i put on twitter that i totally forgot now oh with uh with the beast the the president they call the beast Oh yeah, he was like, "You're why they call me the Beast," and uh, yeah, there's just there's so many just great, great thing. There, there's, there's like so even many... this guy's children call him the Beast. Yeah, so. yeah, like which Spider Jerusalem did, like he put that out there, and it it caught on. There are so many great things, and the reason that you're probably forgetting a lot of this, as I have done, and have even since reading it again, <clears throat> is that Ellis and Robertson like 
they basically they put so much in here yeah. that like I was saying before with the technologies and with the city feeling overpopulated, you yourself feel claustrophobic because there's so much going on. You're there's a part in this where his he gets bombed by this um, advertisement bomb. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what reading Transmetropolitan feels like a lot of times because you're like, what the fuck? There's so much going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with uh, with that. I think, and it's like, not to, I'm not going to try to compare this to like Watchmen, but I think in a lot of ways, like the way that like Watchmen has so much going on in just the art um, that it's like, it's kind of the same here where it's like you have to pay attention to everything that's on the page because uh, Robertson is just, he's doing as much of the storytelling and he makes the city feel like a living, like I feel like this is like a Judge Dredd type city. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. it's living, shit happens all the time and they, they just, they're just doing what they can. They're just doing what they can. Yeah. Um, probably my favorite fucking line was I posted this on Twitter. It's uh, you people don't know what the truth is. It's there just under their bullshit, but you never look. That's why I hate, that's what I hate most about this fucking city. Lies are news and the truth is obsolete. And I was like, holy shit. 2016, 2017 nailed it. Yeah. What is he? He also says another thing uh, and, and it might've just followed up completely after. Was that when he was live streaming the, um, the riot and stuff? Because yeah, as I flip through, I apologize to anybody listening to this, but uh, you get that tactile theater of the mind going on. Yo, he goes, <clears throat> if anyone, if if anyone in this shithole city gave two tugs off a dog's dick, of a, of a dog's cock about truth, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. And it's actually very true. And this whole idea of truth in journalism and and just truth in general, right now, as you said, is fucking incredible. So, yeah. And then, uh, and just like after the riots, how he fucked with the police and the police come fuck with him. And he's just like, cool. You just, you just gave me, you gave me two more reasons to breathe motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought that was, uh, quite great. And then when he kind of takes on religion oh, man. a little bit, that is a little bit like that. It's not, I don't know. It just seemed like the start, like not a, not a, I mean, him oh, walking yeah. around, like an angel and and shit was was great but well, uh this this is Jesus at the temple right for anybody who read like the gospels of the bible this is <coughs> spider jerusalem basically in this city they have a statistic that every hour um there is a new religion because people are looking for something to believe in and something to guide their lives because this city has devolved into just nonsensical inundated everything yeah. Um, so they they just want something to believe in. So he wants to do a story about that as this reinvigorated Gonzo journalist. So he goes to this, what is basically a Comic-Con for religions. And he <laughs> yeah. goes through it and just like starts knocking down the tables and gets into this fight with this one guy. Who, and no one stops him, which I thought was just... No one stops great. him ever. Like, he, like you mentioned, he goes into the, the, the president <clears throat> when he's taking a piss. And then he has a bowel disruptor that's like his weapon of choice and shoots him with uh, the setting prolapse. So he shits him in his pants um, and no one ever stops him. And I think I can see where people would be annoyed with that because he is just cutting right through everything. But I don't think 
like if you dealt with the ins and outs of people actually trying to stop him, I think that would slow down the momentum and make that message weaker in a way. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, okay, I, I can see, I can see that, but that's why I actually brought up that the city is very dredge dread like, um, because I just don't think you could. I think people would statistically be able to fall through the cracks on a lot of shit because how could you respond to everything? Like in a city that big where they literally refer to it as the city and the mountain, you know, mm -hmm. like you're either in the city or you're not isn't in a way. Um, the response time would a would be shit and B would be so like, be like, okay, some guys flipping tables at a religious convention and being disruptive. Sounds like a crazy guy. Or we got this madman with guns over here shooting shit down. What are we gonna go do? You're gonna take care of the guy on the table, or you're gonna do this, you know? Um it, it's just yeah, like I, I could see that, but I don't I don't think I don't necessarily disbelieve it because again, I think just like they they do such an incredible job of showing that this city is bigger than anyone can handle. So why would you be able to handle a guy raging against that machine? Like you just, you couldn't really, you know, the only time you get this guy blips up is on his articles. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm looking at this page and I'm just going to put this on uh, the thing where it's, this is mm -hmm. the convention, the religious convention. And he's just like running through all of this and you're right. It is a living, breathing, choking thing. It's just, it's amazing what he does. And you're right. Like, uh, especially in that one that I just showed that picture with Derek Robertson, what all of the gags he puts in there, like there's a, there's a church of Ennis because obviously he's worked with Garth Ennis before and all of those kind of little gags that are in there, but also the little, just kind of telling things are very interesting. And like the little subtle references and the design of everything is great too. Um, that also <laughs> makes it feel living and breathing. And I, I just realized that there's Ellis <laughs> Gotch in here. The what? Ellis Scotch. Yeah. Which I thought was like, I guess if you're going to do it, fake bottle brand of scotch, you may as well do it after yourself. Yeah, exactly. Fucking right. Um, I think it's worth mentioning because it's it's kind of relevant. Uh, he starts calling in the call-in shows mm. and basically just like terrorizing people. Like he's described as a terrorist and he's just like, I the news made me news. And it's like so disheartening to him. And I thought that was kind of like, like it reminds me a lot of social media and, uh, you know, to give another kind of thing that happened this week was, uh, that Milo, you yank a dick guy, <laughs> yeah. and his fucking thankful downfall and how he got taken down by his own, uh, social justice, uh, fucking online tactics and stuff. And it kind of reminded me a little of that of like, you know, that guy just thought he could report on the news and then he became news. And it just, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of weird relevancy to this. And as someone who's just reading it for the first time, I'm actually kind of glad I, I'm reading it now in this context. I think if I had read this, I don't know, even during like the Bush administration, it might not have rang true as much. So no, it's certainly, it would have, it would have, but not to the degree that now. Yeah, that's, like, that's what I mean. The world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. I, and I'm agreeing. Like there's, there is, 
this is a really, really good time. If you like Dustin have not read this book or if you have read it like me and want to go back to it, this is, this is the perfect time to read Transmetropolitan because <laughs> what they're going to get into later is even more on point. Like this is a great way to start it, but in his dealings with, um, because there's, there's a presidential race that's coming up that's referenced in this book. Um, so that's going to be happening between two candidates that nobody likes. Um, Jesus. And it's basically like the lesser of two evils. Um, <laughs> Do you think Ellis was just sitting there watching our election just be like, fuck, did I put this out there? Yeah, I kind of think he did. I think definitely Warren Ellis is like, shit, did I do this? Like, did I create this? Definitely he was asking. He's looking at Castlevania and he's just like, (laughs) what am I putting in here? Am I I about to create vampires? Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, shit. Fuck, fuck. I bet he is. It's just way worse than that wizard battle between Morrison and fucking Moore. (laughs) Although I'd like to see that too. How exciting is Castlevania written by Warren Ellis, by the way? Can we just diverge real quickly? Yeah, I, no, mean, it's I, think, I think we're done. I mean, it's ex- it's exciting. I don't know if it's... It's interesting. I'm not going to say it's exciting. It's interesting. Because there's just that big question mark of the gears involved in it. And if Konami is just satisfied taking a paycheck like they sometimes are known to do, cool. This could be cool as fuck. If they have any sort of fingers in it, then it's it's fucked from the get go. So yeah, well, true. That's where I stand on it. I, I it doesn't sound like they have any involvement, but who knows? Because when shit starts to kind of like pique everyone's interest, then they're like, hey, 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 hey we're terrible. Let us get in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, go fuck yourselves. And they're like, uh, <laughs> in a minute, in a minute. First, let's fuck all this up. <laughs> first we're gonna fuck you then we'll fuck ourselves um yeah that's fair but i'm i am glad that you enjoyed this because i was very nervous that you were not going to i mean it's it's worn out what scared me more was it was Derek robertson because i am not the biggest fan of his art and my god the man could draw i don't know if he necessarily it's weird it's not you can still kind of see the style I don't know if it's like an inker thing or something, but like the boys, it, it didn't look this good, you know, and his uh, happy with uh, Grant. It, that one looked better than boys, I think, but it wasn't like, oh, shit, this is amazing type of thing. Like neither of those and they're much newer where he probably would have refined his craft more. Don't look near as good as this. And I hope that there isn't like a, decline um in his style as this series goes on like that's the only thing that kind of makes me uh worried but uh, as far as ellis i mean i'm i'm he's like one of the few writers where i'll give anything in his uh his library a chance so especially yeah. now like reading this and i'm like okay this doesn't feel like i'm reading some fucking 1985 comic book where it's like we didn't know computers would happen and it's like yeah well this fax joke is landing with me. Let me tell you. <laughs> so no, it's, it's, it's just, sometimes there's just like this weird. It, it's the same thing on the anime podcast. I just, you know, anime will be recommended to me, and I'll be like, "What year did it come out?" I'm sorry, that's too old. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like the same thing with comic books. I'm like anything that was early 2000s and and later. I'm I can't do it. So yeah, no, I get that. I definitely do get that too. 
because there's uh, there's a, a certain part part of a voice that is locked into whatever yeah. decade that it was written. Um, so that completely makes sense. Whereas this one, I think, purposefully, and because it was under the curatorial efforts of Warren Ellis, was meant to look forward. So yeah. I think that, like, and also, as you said, meant to be timeless. So, um, so yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I hope, are you going to continue reading this? Are we going to continue this experiment going forward? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, if we're going to spread this out through the course of the year, people can tune in kind of like every other episode. We'll kind of do the same thing, talk about something in the beginning, wrap it with this, because I think this is, I don't think you run to this to, to talk about. I think it's more of like warm up and talk about. I don't know why I'm telling everyone this, but no, there you go. that's that's the behind the baseball thing. But no, uh, yeah. we'll be covering the second volume, which uh, I'll dodge out a camera and then find a stack of shit on top of other shit. Yes. Which is uh, Lust for Life. Lust for Life. There. Got Lust for Life. But I will probably just read them right before we record every time so it's good to have that fresh and uh i think it's a good thing if anybody wants to take part if anybody has any questions if anybody listens to this and wants to take oh, part yeah. in transmission in that conversation um definitely hit us up on twitter definitely hit us up at comment bastards or at enter the hero for dustin or at steeple empire for me and we'll definitely definitely like to hear your comments on volume one through volume I forget how many it is, like 12 or something like that. So, Well, I've only seen 10 on uh, when I've looked to buy them. So They've got like a zero one two, I want to say. That's but maybe that's just an issue. Yeah, and a couple of them are bigger than others, obviously, too. So, um, But let us know if you have any thoughts on this. Like That's what really she cool. She did say that, actually. Couldn't let that one slide, sorry. <laughs> that's, she said that, too. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah. I think so too. I think that'll basically do it unless you want to give any uh, quick recommendations of what to read, Steve. Oh man, just Marvel. All, everything Marvel, Dustin. And I will say things not to read, IDW. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Marvel. I could have just said it too. Well, I mean... Marvel and IDW. Don't read either. Yeah. Practically the same company. I guess we'll be talking more about uh, those kind of things next next time in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you why do you got to put a date on it? Why can't we just be timeless, Steve? Because I want to put a ring on it. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening and uh, watching. If you're watching this in the future, since I'm looking down here and that number's still fucking zero, why are we doing this live, Steve? It's a zero issue. This is good for the kids. Oh, whatever. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back next time. Bye.